Welcome back to Cunningham's Law Review, where our goal is to listen to the top artists and songs of the last 100 years, starting in 1920 and working our way forward. Four days a week, we review what we hear and share the history of popular music with you, as we do. I'm Richie, your host on this musical journey, and you're listening to Side A of a new kind of Cunningham's Law episode that we call You Should Know, or YSK. Today, we'll be hearing from a criminally underrated band, IO Echo. Today's going to be something a little different from our regular listening series. It's Friday today, and on Fridays we take a step back from our chronological journey to recenter ourselves and take a break. In today's episode, which is the first in a special series we call You Should Know or YSK, we'll be listening to an artist or album that deserves to be recognized, but for whatever reason just didn't take off. If you have a suggestion for a future YSK, we'd love to hear it. You'd be forgiven for having never heard of IO Echo, but in truth, it's times like these when the world is closing in on all sides and you have a need for a different world to visit that IO Echo comes in handy. In a lot of sci-fi and fantasy writing, authors are credited with extraordinary world building, and in each song that IO Echo produces, I feel like I'm being shown a flyover of a whole busy ecosystem that will only exist until the final measure. It's a world recognizable, but at the same time color shifted into the pastel, crystallized, and different enough to be engaging and captivating. I generally hate using genres past an initial overview, because they obfuscate the music in an effort to classify it, and IO Echo is a great example of why. The band, consisting of Iona Gicka and Leopold Ross, born 1994 and 1980 respectively, cite many influences, chief among them from Gicka's favorite, Enya, and Ross's list including The Cure, Prince, and Old Dirty Bastard. It's reductive and unproductive to try and synthesize those influences together in describing Ioeko's sound, but suffice it to say, the rumor that every song you ever hear will be with you somewhere when you write absolutely rings true. Much has been made of Gicka's globetrotting youth, for example, but that's with merit, as you'll hear mature and refined industrial soundscapes that pepper in the koto harp, moaning Chinese violin, and high flutes, with the unmistakable lilt of Gicka's Enya-esque singing. You may recognize Ross's last name, as his brother is being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on November 7, 2020, which if you're listening to this on the day it's published, is tomorrow. Atticus Ross, also well known for creating enigmatic and impressionistic soundscapes, may have inspired or been inspired by Leopold in doing so, but in any case, the ability to convey a place through sound runs in the Ross family strongly. Now, the album title alludes to the 1984 book's Ministry of Love, and furthermore to the New Wave soundtrack of the film, and you can absolutely hear influence of the Eurythmics, who did that film soundtrack in a similar style when adjusted for the times. IO Echo's Ministry of Love features tracks that run the gamut from flyby oceanscapes to dense and busy cityscapes, as well as more traditional structured and poppy danceable tracks that drive your toes to tap. I sometimes find myself whistling the opening tune to When the Lilies Die as I'm walking around the house in a good mood. As you listen today, try to let yourself fall into the moods that the album can provide. It's an impressionistic place to be, and it's not always literal in terms of lyrics, 
But if you let yourself flow with the tracks, you'll find your mind wandering to pink, gritty places that want you to hang out with them. Coming back to listen to Gicka's lyrics offers a second rewarding experience on most of the songs, since they're always more than just an ethereal addition to texture. But they can be hard to catch the first time around, so don't think about it too much. So, I'm ready for Friday, I'm ready for an excellent album, I'm ready for sharing it with you, and I'm ready to review a personal favorite of mine. Normally, this is the part of the podcast where I tell you that if you're not listening to Spotify at this point, you really should be. But Spotify has changed how podcasts like Cunningham's Law Review operate, and so I no longer need to publish separate playlists. Through the wonders of modern technology, from now on, you just need to push the single start the podcast episode button, and you'll hear everything in a row without pressing another button. Now, the episodes with built-in music are limited to Spotify, so if you're listening to this episode through a different service, but still want to listen along to the music, there's a playlist for this episode called Cunningham's Law Review YSK1. You can find a link to this episode on the Cunningham's Law Review subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review. We want to know what you think about our reviews and the music we're hearing, so make sure to join us on the subreddit or leave us an anchor voicemail. You can also find us on Twitter at Cunning Review. That's all for side A of Cunningham's YSK1. We'll see you for the reviews after the songs on side B. Welcome back to Cunningham's Law Review YSK1. You're now listening to the B-side of this podcast where we review each of the songs in today's music and talk more about them individually. If you'd like to join the conversation, the Cunningham's Law subreddit will have a dedicated post for this episode at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review. You can also leave us an anchor voicemail or hit us up on Twitter at Cunning Review. I'm Richie, your host, and I hope you enjoyed the music or at least heard something new. Since most people haven't heard of IO Echo before, you probably heard a lot of new things. As this is a full album review, we follow the same 25-point scale that we always use, judging each song on authenticity, innovation, catchiness, mastery, and artistic statement. But then we average the total category scores, add those numbers together, and round that to the nearest point for the full album score. Why do we do this? Because if an album has one great single, and the rest of the album is filler, The album is bad in total, but you would at least see the one standout song with a high individual score, in spite of the album's low review. It's a good balance that recognizes that some albums suck, but have great individual songs. While neither the song nor the album is or should be judged completely independently, it's nice to have both scores as a reference. With all that, let's jump right into this musical beauty, I.O. Echo's Ministry of Love. Io Echo welcomes you to their Terra Nova with a grand scene set with bright, blossoming horizons presented early to guide you into this new world. Slow, starting with digital affected sense, we're led into a wall of sound, as if we're watching a fast-motion sunrise coming at us from across the ocean. Vocalization shifting in pitch and impressionistic lyrics welcome you back from a place you didn't know you left, with lyrics that feel like Gika has longed to be with you. While the lyrics are simple and impressionistic, almost serving to add texture more than content, and some of the pitch shifting on Ross's vocals are a bit heavy-handed, this is a 19-point opening for the album, receiving a MICA score of 44344, 
only being average in catchiness. Often when artists try new things, I think of a concept I call Picasso strokes. Many people who view Picasso's work for the first time, where the eyes and nose are in different places from their normal arrangement, think things like, I could do that, or he only painted like that because he couldn't paint more realistically. What they don't know is that in his early work, he painted very realistically and in more traditional styles and was completely proficient. Knowing that shows us that Picasso chose to paint the way that he did consciously and with deliberateness. When the Lilies Die show us that Io Echo could make excellent pop songs if that's all they wanted to do. Songs that would still be unique to their sound and still fit within their larger work. In this instance, after the intensity of Shanghai Girls, we arrive in a more open and familiar space where the band flexes their pop muscle extraordinarily well. The song itself is about the end of a relationship where the other partner has not been putting in the effort, killing the blossoms of love with their coldness, and being warned not to act confused as to what happened when the relationship eventually dies. This imagery elevates the song to a foreign artistic statement, which it matches in all other categories save for mastery, where it earns a five. Next, we take a look at Ministry of Love, which ties Stalemate with 22 points for the top song ratings of the album. And if you're struggling to grasp the meanings behind this song, it may help to reread the book 1984, because its third act is a tale of devotion and torture in the Ministry of Love itself. All of the ministries in 1984 were named almost ironically, and the Ministry of Love was basically in charge of torture. Though in the book, the hero is tragically broken in the end, turning on his lover under severe torture. In this version, the setting is used as a valiant declaration that the assails on Giga's love will be resisted, though perhaps the torture will be excruciating beyond expectation, as they do resist. The percussion in this song is excellent, and it drives the song while the soundscape is exactly where it needs to be in order to avoid overshadowing the vocals, but providing still a rich, detailed backdrop. The song receives a 5 in authenticity and artistic statement since this is a unique repositioning of the 1984 allegory in a new context and receives 4s in all other categories. Now in Ministry of Love we have a book that kind of can guide our interpretation but in Stalemate we have something very tricky. And the lyrics on the internet aren't always perfect so trust your ears. To me it seems Stalemate is like being in a bad relationship where you're trying to retain control but finding that you can't stop yourself from losing out to how much you still want it. Gika changes the lyrics in the chorus for the final repetition, and that gives us a peek into the meaning when she changes from saying that if you play my game, you lose, to so play me, I'm begging you. The lyrics are sheer poetry, with what feel like snapshots and flashes of understanding that convey meaning when taken as a whole. It's almost as if we're waking up the next morning after having too much to drink and putting together little flickers of memory that really start to convey understanding when taken as a whole. Again, the supporting music is fantastic, providing the perfect backing to the song and making you feel adrift and lost among the flashes of context that anchor you briefly. Mastery and artistic statement earn fives with fours in authenticity, innovation, and catchiness. For the next song, there's a big Smiths and Cure influence in Outsiders, especially in the bass line and simple guitar, but also in the vocals which are more front and center. While the S.E. Hinton novel is of course referenced in the song, I don't believe there's an explicit metaphor using that book since the only concrete reference is to Pony Boy and of course the song's title. 
To me, this seems like a memory personal to Gika that she frames lyrically. Perhaps of a lover from the past that she identifies with Ponyboy for some reason that we may never know. If you have a theory, I'd love to hear it, so reach out on the sub through an anchor voicemail or on Twitter at Cunning Review. This is the least complex and unique song on the album so far, receiving a four for authenticity and artistic statement, since there's something I can't quite put my finger on, but threes in the remaining categories for a total of 17. In a song that on such a complex album seems like relative filler, Tiananmen Square is a song in which the trappings of modern life are eschewed for an alternative. This is a more on-the-nose commentary, and the song seems less refined than the others. For a total score of 15, Tiananmen Square receives threes in all categories. It is interesting to note, however, there's a distinct Ting Ting's influence in the drumline. And Tiananmen Square isn't that bad if you listen to it on its own, but when you follow it up with Ecstasy Ghost, you hear how much more complex and unique the IO Echo can sound, and you kind of get an idea that they chose not to in the preceding song. With a dance sound over distressed hip-hop beats and vocals that reverse and change in different ways to create an essentially unique sampled instrument, the song receives fours in all categories for a total score of 20. I'll admit this one is more abstract, but if I had to take a guess and go on the record to guess what it means, I would say that it's about the Dalai Lama, since it could be interpreted as touching on reincarnation and a mystical leader in the mountains. It could also just be about thinking fondly about doing drugs, though. It's hard to pin down with so few concrete lyrical footholds. Moving on to Drag Love, a song that I interpret to be about loving a trans man and not being too concerned with it, Io Echo earns a MICA score of 43334, totaling a 17. This isn't an extraordinarily challenging song or an innovative song, but it's still good and says something unique. In the next song, Addicted, we start off with a synth sample of Gika's voice, which is an interesting theme carried into the chorus. The song seems like it's referencing being addicted to heroin or some other similarly powerful and alluring drug, and touches on dealing with the inherent violence around that kind of addiction. But while it's not patently transparent, I don't get a particularly authentic feel for this song around addiction with one exception, and that's where Gika sings, I think I'm free of the body song, but it goes on and on and on. And if you've ever dealt with addiction or known anyone who's been addicted, even after you kick it, it's always in the back of your mind. So addiction is a memory and a specter for a lot of people. And so that part rings truer than the rest. Overall, the song is average, receiving threes in all categories for a total of 15. Moving on to Berlin, It's All a Mess, we're starting to see a pattern with this album, where you have a 17-point song of unique content and statement with average execution. To me, this is a song about fighting the depths of depression and suicidal ideation that can hit you at your lowest. In that headspace, you may wonder if you're not better off hitting the concrete when everything is going wrong and you feel like you're losing your mind. It's not an upper of a song by any means, but the music supports that message with warped vocals that overlap with confusing consistency and in and conflicting messages of I'll be fine, simultaneously stating that everything is a mess. Furthering this idea, of course, is the title itself, based on Berlin, which was divided into two almost schizophrenic sides during the Cold War. One, 
dysfunctional and breaking down, while the other functioned from the other side of the wall as one of the pinnacles of Western civilization and rebuilding. In another song with Big Smith's influence, we have Forget Me Not. The song still does sound unique and beautiful with the addition of the Kodo harp, however. I think many who hear this will identify with wanting a lover to carry on your memory, even after they leave you, to give you a reason to feel like you won't be lost forever to them. The song earns 19 points with fours across the board, save for a three in innovation. Similarly earning a 19 is I, Father, a wonderful parting shot about life dragging us apart from one another. There are tidal forces represented in the bass floor and tribal drums that combine with the total sound to evoke a power bigger than any of us are. In effect, it forces humility in the listener and evokes the distinct feeling that nature will outlive us all after we kill each other. The song is like standing on a mountain peak after you've just summited and peering through the cloud cover to see that you are only surrounded by larger mountains. In times like that, there's nothing else to do but understand that we are all but a small part of the universe and feel humbled. So, averaging all of the categories, adding those scores together, and rounding the result, IO Echo's Ministry of Love receives a total score of 19 of 25 points. And that shows the damage that a couple filler songs can do to an otherwise stellar start. This makes IO Echo's Ministry of Love our highest scoring album so far. We hope you've enjoyed this special episode of Cunningham's Law Review and IO Echo's Ministry of Love. But we want to know what you think, whether or not you agree with us, because Cunningham's Law states that the best way to learn something on the internet isn't to ask a question, but to post the wrong answer somewhere. So make sure to find the Cunningham's Law subreddit, where we'll have a dedicated post for this episode at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review. We'd love to hear from you through an anchor voicemail or on Twitter at Cunning Review. We'll be back on Monday to wrap up 1921 as we pop back in on Mamie Smith and Frank Crummett, among others. If you leave us an anchor voicemail that we end up using on the show, we'll review an album of your choice in a special episode, even if it's your own bands. If you like what we're doing here, leave us a review on your favorite podcasting service and follow the podcast on Spotify. And if you don't like it, definitely don't mention that to anybody. Until next time, I've been your host, Richie, and you've been listening to Cunningham's Law Review. Our theme music is a difficult subject by The Insider, and nobody else works here. (laughs) 